Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice. For Wednesday, August the 30th, we are recording one day earlier this week. It's a little bit unusual due to a special Voice XP event taking place tomorrow in St. Louis. A link to that event will be posted online on our show page. It has to do with the Google Manifesto and a discussion around that. This Week in Voice is brought to you by Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for some of the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. If you haven't checked them out, you really, really should do that. Their website is www.voicexp.com. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. We're very, very fortunate to have a great panel today for a crazy week of voice news capped off by a huge story today. Let's, let me introduce the panel and we'll get to discussing it. First of all, we've got Michael Novak. Michael, say hello. Hello, Bradley. Hello, everyone. How are you? Doing good, Michael. Thank you for joining us. Uh, share with us uh, what you're working on and what you're doing in voice right now. Sure. So uh, I live in the, the East Coast in Virginia, and there's been uh, quite a bit of voice activity going on as it relates to the, uh, the public sector, as well as a couple of uh, supply chain concerns trying to get ahead of what they can do with it in their uh, businesses. And uh, lately, it's been keeping me quite active. Very cool. Well, we appreciate you taking time out and joining us today and sharing some of your insight and ex- uh, expertise with us. Next up, we have Jan, Jan Koenig. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Hey, okay. happy to be here. Thank you very much, Jan. And what time is it in Berlin? It's 11.40 right now, p.m. So we've got a dedicated one here. Thank you for joining us. I uh, <laughs> greatly appreciate you taking the time so late uh, and, and being so flexible with us and sharing your insight with not only me, but the audience as well. Tell us what you're working on right now. Sure. So uh, I'm one of the founders of Jovo, which is a development framework for cross-platform voice apps uh, that currently work on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. And I'm happy to be here, uh, especially as uh, as this week's news are a lot about uh, cross-platform um, voice applications. So yeah, happy um, to, to be part of the discussion today. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. And as a last-minute addition, we have Brian Romley. Brian, say hello. Hello, Bradley. Thank you for adding me last minute. Uh, Honored to be here with these uh, gentlemen. Uh, Big heroes of mine on Twitter. I've been following them for a while. Wouldn't have it any other way. Share with us a little bit what you're working on right now. Well, uh, this morning I composed a read multiplex uh, free to anybody to read. Um, It's called Today the World Changed Alexa Open Cortana, Cortana Open Alexa. And it's a a story about, um, there they go talking in the background. Uh, (laughs) So uh, it's a story about what the deep significance is historically over uh, the Cortana and Alexa partnership. And I'm sure we're going to get into it in this show today, so... It's uh, it should be interesting, but I got a question for you, Bradley. Tomorrow, that's going to be a big event. Can you give us uh, and the listeners some insight? What's going down there? Sure. So, Voice XP is hosting a meetup in St. Louis for the development community and just for the community at large, discussing the Google Manifesto, discussing sexual discrimination in the workplace and specifically the IT workplace. 
and attempting to get to the bottom of some of those issues. And uh, they invited me up to be uh, part of that panel, and I'm honored to do that. And and um, it's going to be exciting. They're leading the way in many areas. Um, they're a good partner of ours, sponsor of this podcast, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, they're go- they're doing. Uh, Great stuff uh, off the field too, you know, tackling these social issues uh, that affect a lot of people. So it's uh, it's a great uh, initiative on their part, and I'm happy to be part of it. I do know there's some significantly important folks there. Uh, Nandini is going to be there from Google, and quite a number of other people I know. So yeah, it, it, it should be it should be an amazing time. I'm looking forward to meeting Nandini uh, nice. in person, uh, and uh, yeah, she she'll be there, and uh, as you said, a bunch of other folks too. It'll, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm I'm psyched, and I'll be leaving Nashville early in the morning to be part of it, and coming home late, and happy to do it. Bradley, you've become the center of gravity for voice in the <laughs> center part of the country in Tennessee. So this is, uh, this is great to see. Well, we're, we're fortunate uh, that people give us some of their time, uh, you know, not just uh, folks like y'all coming on the show, but people listening. Tomorrow, late in the day, we'll announce our listenership for the month of August, and it's pretty strong. And so we've got a lot to be thankful for and, and appreciate y'all joining us. So uh, with that, let's get to the news. So this week... We had a bunch of news already. Number one story is Alexa and Cortana now play nice with each other. And Amazon and Microsoft have decided to allow both of their voice assistants to interact with each other and acknowledge each other and recognize each other. This opens up a whole hornet's nest of new opportunities. And Michael, I'm going to start with you. What was your initial reaction when this uh, news broke? And from how you approach the voice technology realm, what are your thoughts? Uh, Having been in technology for a few years, it's about time. I'm not surprised to hear it just because there's a lot of conversations going on in the user groups about how, hey, which one are you using? Oh, I'm using this one. Oh, well, I'm using the other one because it has these features. And that really is that that primary or initial step before, like we've seen with, you know, PC versus Mac, uh, VHS versus Betamax, you can go on and on. You know, this is part of the evolution of the industry. So I'm very excited. Jan, when you heard this, it was obviously later in the day over in Berlin. <laughs> um, what did you and your colleagues think about this news? Uh, we're uh, strong believers in, in cross-platform solutions. So uh, so we were definitely excited. So I backed a Kickstarter project two months ago, um, which is similar to the Apple AirPods. It, it's called Liberty plus uh, wireless earphones and they support uh, three voice assistants just with a tap similar to the airpods they support siri alexa and google assistant and i i backed them like two months ago they're probably coming out october or november so i'm pretty excited about this because i'm i have my google home um here i have alexa here i have siri on my phone and i keep talking to them um, for different use cases. And so I believe that um, this will be the way to go to have all the different um, voice assistants combined in the different devices. And this also works pretty well with my um, academic research I'm doing for my master's thesis right now about multimodal user experiences, um, because I believe this will be more and more important to have agents that delegate tasks to other agents when there's more and more modalities coming into the mix, like gestures, um, more visual interfaces like AR. So I'm pretty excited about the future. And this is a great step towards that. Brian, 
you better than anybody have talked about the relationship between uh, these voice assistants and neurons and the brain. And this is a huge step toward that. Do you think that this is this truly opens the floodgates to realizing what you've been talking about for a long time? Or do you think that this is just a great first step, but we it's not going to go that smoothly? Well, Bradley, thank you. It's a great question. And uh, absolutely, this is the beginning steps. We, we try to look for analogies on how this is all going to play out. And back in the... 1980s when I really started to begin to think about this in a very serious way and ultimately write a manifesto in 89, sort of looking at the way this might transpire. I realized the only analogy one can have is to create a ontology and taxonomy and domain space that is equivalent to the way the brain creates neurons. And this means that every idea, or in this case, every skill or every voice app will ultimately become interdependent and interconnected. And when you recognize that fact and you go from that end point and then work backwards, you recognize that everything you build up until that point is either going to move in that direction or you're going to have to somehow reinvent everything, redo everything to go in that direction. And this includes uh, invocation, discovery, and monetization. These are the three triparts that are exceedingly important for the future of the voice first revolution. And frankly, none of those have been established yet. But today, 200 million more people, because that's the combined pool of the Alexa Cortana, uh, you know, user group, uh, as it stands today, in average, you know, there's 200 million people that are have this cross neuronal connection to these new taxonomies and ontologies. It's sort of what I wrote about in the article I mentioned earlier today at readmultiplex.com is, you know, when you start looking at how this is going to play out, it's, it's more than three-dimensional chess. For example, one of the very first reporters called me and said, how, do, how are they going to benefit? And I meant, by whom? Who are you speaking of as they? Microsoft. And I go, okay, Microsoft and Amazon. And so, how to sort of break it down. And the benefit is the synergy. Synergy is two plus two equals something greater than four. And there's this, this is true synergy. So what are some of the synergistic aspects? Well, I'll present one that almost, well, I know nobody else is talking about right now. And that is, there's something called the Amazon Associate Program. And I, I know, Bradley, you're very familiar with it with your Kindle background. The Amazon Associate Program is a way for just about anybody to make a meaning, meaningfully amount of profit from the sale of goods at Amazon. So here I am, Cortana, and I'm sitting out there, and I initiate a transaction via Cortana into the Amazon uh, domain or taxonomy of what I call voice commerce. At some point in time, and I'm not advocating the fact that this is the impetus of this deal, but it is the most likely endpoint for Microsoft, is that one of the 150-odd million Cortana users will, in fact, order things through Amazon via Alexa on the Cortana platform. Confusing, yes, but very likely, absolutely. It means that there's a monetization system already built in. And that, in and of itself, can help generate uh, a, a sort of a financial wherewithal with the product. 
you're going to have a meta level above all of these platforms. And I'm not saying that exists today, but it's something I pretend to in the Read Multiplex article is that ultimately you're going to talk to all of this voice mediated, mediated AI and they are essentially going to become domain endpoints or answer points, even the skills, but not just the skills, the way these systems take information and present it. And then that information will be culled amongst all the other AI platforms. And then your, what I call personal assistant, will mediate all of that into a cohesive worldview, a response to an answer uh, to a question, an answer to a question. So, you know, I do agree, Brian. I can see that capability of voice allowing you to express your motivations, your desires, your wants, your needs, and then under the covers, don't know, don't care, right? I can invoke you and say, Brian, go home. I don't care if you take a bus. I don't care if you walk. I don't care if you fly. But this is a similar concept to what we've experienced with coding, of course, where currently I can write micro services and I don't necessarily care how they're invoked or how they're satisfied. I don't need to write them in assembler. I don't need to write them in C sharp or C plus necessarily, but there's a machine layer that can abstract out my, my desires and invoke that and take care of it. So I can see this again as more of the evolution where you're right. I can say, Brian, go home. And then you figure out how that works. I just took Michael's command there. I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I definitely agree. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I agree as well. Yeah, this is getting to my my follow-up question for the panel. And Michael, I'm going to start with you once again and go back through because I want all three of y'all's opinions on this. If you are in the boardroom of Apple and Google today, what do you decide to do? So I can see that from a business perspective that there's incredible value in reducing that transactional friction, that is the the ability of a user to buy something, but also transactional friction in the sense of, I don't have to translate my thoughts into a format that someone else needs to understand. Now, Jan is probably comfortable with that, being bilingual in German, English, and I'm sure something else. It's very important. So if I was on on the team at either Apple or Google today, I would certainly be examining my my vendor relationships and what I can do perhaps to talk about our strengths. Because let's face, you know, Apple services currently today generates tons of revenue. So it's more the case of people just may not know it, even though they have that capability. So it's probably not anyone jumping off the ninth floor of their building, but rather trying to raise the awareness of the people that are using their products that they have this capability. Uh, I'm assuming Amazon instigated this since it was their press release, not Microsoft's. Actually, it was uh, Jeff Bezos who sent an email about uh, three and a half months ago to the CEO of Microsoft Mm -hmm. initiating the idea. Sure. So it definitely comes from Amazon. So, you know, they have that market leadership capability currently in the voice market and the visibility that that would make sense to me. I'm not surprised. However, at this point, uh, for Google or Apple to jump in 
and say that, yeah, we're going to join that program where we want to, I don't know if they would want to do that from a PR perspective. I think it's a, it's just a great signal for the market because um, until now, uh, everyone um, understood it as a race or as a battle between all the big platforms. Um, I could see that in Germany. So um, Google Home launched in Germany uh, a few weeks ago um, and, and in France, uh, I think a week before. And um, what happened is that um, Amazon advertised the Echo like a lot um, and they like um, did a lot of discounts. Now they're now Google's planning to to launch a smaller Echo Dot like Google Home. Amazon is um, we're talking about this later, probably launching a second Echo. So there's going to be a lot happening in um, in this space um, until Christmas season this year, I believe. And um, and everything was about competition. And this is the first time people are actually talking about um, working with each other to improve the user experiences. So I believe that this is a, a great signal um, for the market. And um, right now, people can access Google Assistant on an iPhone, for example. There is a Google Assistant app. And um, so there are at least some ways to interact um, with the different voice assistants across devices. And I, I believe it's, um, there should be the opportunity to improve that and to, to make the next move to, to work closer together. So you would be advocating for more partnership, not less, in, the, in light of this news? Yeah, definitely. So, Brian, let me ask you just to, to button up this, uh, this big story. Your vision which I agree with wholeheartedly, uh, which you articulated uh, a few minutes ago, is one of openness, one of sharing and partnership and a uh, environment uh, between these voice assistants that is mediated at, you know, above it by another layer and, and sort of mimics the brain. The problem is Apple's culture is not compatible with that vision so do you see Apple, and I'm just talking Apple specifically with you for this question, do you see Apple changing their approach with Siri at all, or do you see them continuing to march down uh, their historical uh, path of, of having a strict walled garden and uh, doing their own thing? Well, Bradley, that's a great question. You know, I'm going to say this without sounding arrogant at all. The first thing that Apple should do, and I'll include Google, is hire Bradley, Jan, and Michael, and me. Right now, there is, and you know this, Bradley, there's only so many people who I would consider really versed on what the voice-first revolution looks like. And I'd settle see, for them just listening to this, but keep going. Well, yeah, I know they listen. That, that's already a fact. But listening and hiring and executing are something else. There's clearly a disconnect not just within Apple, but I would say most, uh, not all these companies to a certain level, in understanding what the wide arc of this is really going to be. If there is not a bit of existential fear right at this moment, then they are going to miss one of the most transformative moments in technology history. If I'm a user and I'm on a platform that equally allows me to access another AI platform, I'm happy. And I can tell you a historic precedence. Let's go back to 1989. It's the early part of 1989. And Bradley, maybe you're on AOL and I'm over at the nerdy CompuServe with my, you had nothing but numbers in your email address and you had something 
cute like Love Cookies uh, 92 or something like that over at AOL. And I wanted to send you a message. And guess what? I'm out of luck. I can't send you a message. It sounds bizarre today, doesn't it? But back then it didn't because in that world, we built silos and platforms and boy, oh boy, you don't need to leave my platform because we built it so great. I'm AOL, I'm CompuServe. We see the world better than anybody else. And it, it is an us versus them mentality that replicated the, uh, you know, the Apple OS versus CPM versus Unix versus PC mindset that was part of the PC revolution. In the voice first revolution, it's going to be more like what happened in September of 1989 when AOL and CompuServe had a remarkable agreement. They opened up their platforms for messages. At the same time, they opened it up to something funny, something crazy. Nobody thought was ever going to be anything. It's called the internet. And at the same time, they opened up that platform to the internet. And all of a sudden, you could send things to .edu addresses because people generally didn't have any other type of email address for most average folks. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Those platforms no longer exist in any real form. When you really view what AI is becoming, it, it, it's, it's far beyond the platform, has nothing to do with the hardware, and, and ultimately has nothing to do with the big data. Ultimately, all the data that's out, that's out there is going to be normalized. Everybody will have access to it one way or the other, sooner or later. Nobody's going to own it all. So I, I can agree with your, your vision of where we would want to be, you know, the idea of, of course. the uh, the voice interface overall, and I don't care how it's enabled. However, if I am a Google or if I'm working for Yan's company, I have to start somewhere with a manageable application platform and then perhaps build it out later in version two or later, you know, version next to accommodate other players in the market. But I think there's still going to be fierce competition oh, no doubt. for that application layer because that's going to be part of your value proposition or your secret sauce. Absolutely, Michael. And, you know, and, and I fully agree. So we can look at this at a number of different levels. I was approaching it from that upper level of Bradley was saying, you know, what, what do you feel like if you're in Apple shoes or Google shoes? Oh, the of course. Yeah, the developer shoes is something somewhat different. You have to pick... I don't think a single platform. You have to pick a way you deal with But no, even from a user perspective, you still have to figure out, okay, on let's see, on a Mac, it's uh, what's the keystroke again? And on the PC, oh, yeah. it's a different keystroke sequence to get the same yeah. functionality. So even from a user perspective, you're still, well, perhaps, you know, the big players would want you to prefer their platform. I always think about it in terms of the automobile, you know, a Ford, a Honda, uh, BMW, they all have four wheels generally. They all <laughs> take me from place to place generally. I wouldn't say they're all internal combustion engines, but well, that's changing too. But the idea is that they have agreed to use the same number four bolt on the left front door because there's economies of scale and economics behind that choice. Just like with the voice interface, there will be economies of scale and economic reasons to choose that platform, even though I might be riding leather seats that are heated for me automatically or driving my Honda with five screaming kids in the back row. You know, that'll be the higher level differentiation that may have to come from each company. 
I, I agree. I agree. You know, but ultimately we're talking about the generation zero. We're not even generation one of these systems. And it's, it's, it's equivalent to when we had the first command line uh, interface on the computer. In fact, sure. I might even advocate it more close to hexadecimal entry, <laughs> which is on the front of a MISA MISIC computer. Doing so, your microcoding. Yeah, microcoding. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to create dialogue systems and conversational systems. And your interaction with these things aren't commands, they're conversations. And when that happens, you're not going to remember invocations. You're not going to remember the domain spaces that are necessary to try to get to certain things. The concept of an app and installation of an app will become irrelevant. And this is going to happen faster probably than most people recognize. And I'll tell you why it's going to be important. It will have a vortex effect on everything in the market. So yes, short term, we're dealing with Q and A. What's the question? What's the answer? What's the possible ways of asking that question? And what's the possible answers? That's fine. But to fixate on that being the future is probably like fixating on how can I make the command line look prettier when the icons and clicking and, and mouse. So the next space to this is, okay, if I'm Apple, I'm Google, I'm sitting in uh, Cupertino or Mountain View, I'm looking out over the fields and I'm like, wow, this is interesting. How do we create our secret sauce around it? Well, the, the problem is you can't really create a secret sauce within the silo. That's the end point. And you can try as you might, but there has never been a historic way that that's held forever. If you're Apple and Google, it's not a matter of deciding to do something in the boardroom. You got a lot of, you know, perhaps some underlying issues uh, that have to be addressed. And you got to do it now. I mean, this is something, Bradley, that you that you can't really sit there and stroke a beard and and think, well, when am I going to join this? The reality is, if in fact history repeats itself, and I've never seen it not. By not cross-platforming, by not opening up the AI, because really what we're talking about is opening up the underlying AI ontologies, taxonomies, and domains across all devices, you're essentially going in the direction of, I'm just going to be AOL, I'm not going to connect to the internet, and I will stay here forever. Well, I I want to close it myself by simply saying... When I was uh, driving back uh, today thinking about this story, uh, the, the overwhelming thing that stands out to me with this is Microsoft get, should get a lot of credit for this. Amazon, they, if they came up with the idea, uh, that's great. Uh, obviously, they're blazing a trail. They're doing everything right. They're making all the right moves. But Microsoft, we haven't heard their name on This Week in Voice the last couple of shows. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. It's not showing up on our radar screen. You can just imagine all of us have worked in big companies, uh, you know, or, or corporate environments where there'd be a lot of defensiveness about this. I can imagine uh, somebody at Microsoft being extremely defensive about what do you mean you think we need to partner with Alexa or open things up? Are, are you suggesting I didn't do a good job? Or, you know, am I going to get a demerit on my performance review? All of that corporate stuff did not get in the way of this happening. And I think that's one of the biggest successes uh, with this. Uh, since Microsoft clearly was in second, third, fourth place or whatever, uh, they still managed to make a great move despite the, the corporate stuff that might typically get in the way. And that's, to me, I think that's a big victory. And so I want to sort of close it with that and, uh, and move on. 
We've got two stories next. Uh, number two is about the fact that Amazon Echo devices now support multi-room audio, which is a pretty big deal. The third story is also about Amazon closing the deal with Whole Foods and using that um, asset, the grocery store chain, to promote their voice-first technology in a way that the other companies can't rival. And my question, Jan, I'm going to start with you for this. My question is, which one of these stories, number two about the multi-room audio or number three about Whole Foods promoting uh, the Echo line, is a bigger deal to you and why? Uh, that's a good question. So I'm, f- I'm following a lot of Facebook uh, support groups for Amazon Echo, Google Home, and stuff like that, just to learn from what pro- problems users have. And um, what struck me was that people love the multi-room audio feature. They were like, oh, this is what I wished for. They, um, I've read a lot of comments in the last few months, and this was um, mostly the the number one feature they requested and they were asking for. And um, the second story, the Whole Foods story, um, there was a lot of stuff going on on Twitter um, where people were actually actually quite annoyed by by that. Like, um, oh, do we really want to buy technology next to next to our apples and, and fruits and what we're uh, what we're buying at Whole Foods? So I'm not a Whole Foods customer. I'm not from the US. So I don't. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm the right person to to answer that, but um, I feel like it's impressive how how fast Amazon moves forward with that. Um, but for me, definitely the the multi um, room feature is is the bigger deal right now. Well, there's no question you're the right person to answer it. Everyone's the right person to answer it because it's all about getting different vantage points and lines of sight on this. And that's very, very interesting, uh, Jan, your your take on that. Brian, what are your thoughts? Which story did you view as uh, as a bigger deal? I would ultimately say in the grand scheme of things, historically, the interaction between Amazon and Whole Foods and voice commerce is going to be that lasting element that we read about 10 years, 20, 30 years in history books. So we got a, a vote for each one. We got Jan yeah. voting for uh, uh, the multi-room audio, and we got Brian voting for the uh, commerce aspect of the Whole Foods implementation. So, Michael, you're our tiebreaker. Which one do you think bigger deal? You know, at this point, I suppose I could put on my uh, public sector hat and equally vote for both of them. But the idea of having multi-room audio from a citizen's perspective is amazing. Um, There's many people that are using the voice interface devices to communicate, not just, hey, I want to buy a banana or what time and temperature is it, but they're starting to use it for for the uh, voice commerce so that I could perhaps take a test at home take my blood pressure, take some or some sort of physiological reading, and then turn to my device and say, please send this to my cardiologist and here's the information he needs and here's my passcode and tell me, am I still alive yet? So there's a lot of practical applications to having that in a multi-room capability. I don't have to come back to the kitchen to always ask the question. I think I would vote currently for the uh, Whole Foods story only because I can see the commercial aspect and also from the concept of smart cities, 
that same concept could be applied to me walking into my DMV or me walking into my public utility office. If I could take care of things using a voice commerce system, not necessarily run by Amazon, mind you, but having that capability to perform commerce with my government at their location with my voice, rather than here, fill out these five forms, go wait in line, we'll call you when we're ready. I'll take that hands down. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, my perception is these are both pretty much neck and neck. I agree with Jan, the, the multi-room audio thing is such a big deal. Brian, I think you've mentioned on a previous podcast where HomePod is taking the approach of really playing up the audio aspects when reality it, the reality of it is very different uh, that it's designed to be a, uh, you know, a voice assistant and do much more than just that. And to me, that is exactly what's going on with this multi-room audio deal. Yeah, it, it is about making music and, and doing a lot of stuff with music in the home or in different environments. But uh, Michael, as you sort of alluded to, there's a lot more to that story. And I think developers are just going to have a field day exploring all the different things that they can do with that. That has applications to games, it has applications to uh, you know, pr- productivity. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff that people could do. I'm excited to see what developers do with it. The, the whole food side of things is just another way of Amazon uh, ramrodding its way to where it wants to be. And it's just sort of a brute force sort of solution for them. And that's good too, because it's just going to continue to get Echo hardware deeper into the culture. So let, let me ask you this, Bradley. You say it's a brute force way. Would you or Jan or Brian have been surprised if Amazon had not made their hardware available at Whole Foods? <laughs> I have to be honest. I didn't think about it. You know, I thought uh, you could see an Echo Dot point of purchase display, you know, like a little thing at the cash register. Uh, or you could you could see a promotion, like if you spend $100 at Whole Foods, you get an Echo Dot for free. Those things are fairly obvious. Uh, would you have ever imagined a on day one of the changes being implemented that there'd be a huge table at the front of every store that says farm fresh echoes that's literally literally what it said it said farm (laughs) fresh echoes no i saw the picture i I believe what about you jan i mean would you be surprised if aldi did this in germany you know had the google or the alexa device prominently featured um no, I, I agree 100% uh, with, with Bradley. So it was just a very bold move uh, from Amazon to do that on, on day one. Um, Aldi, they they do sell some stuff like that um, occasionally, but it's, it's a little different because Whole Foods, they like they exclusively sell food. Aldi, Aldi doesn't, so there's not a lot of exclusive food retailers uh, here in Germany. And they probably like people here are more risk averse so they probably wouldn't i don't think i would have predicted that it would be uh, fresh farm fresh echoes and and I, I think i think the humor and the tongue-in-cheek along with what the entire whole food staff were doing in a lot of sto- a lot of the stores they were having a lot of fun and they were getting cheeky about it and it's it's really kind of refreshing to see this new dy- dy- dynamic sort of feeling with inside of Whole Foods that this uh, 
new Amazon relationship uh, with Amazon being involved. Has oh, and I'm not hating. Don't get me wrong. The culture. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not hating on what Amazon did and what Whole Foods did by any stretch. All I was saying is that I don't think anyone ever would have expected that uh, approach. That's basically walking what? in with Nah, the, I would disagree with that. I expected it. Quite okay. whimsical. <laughs> it's, J, it's Jeff Bezos. I, I, he's a great guy, but, you know, hey, he wants something, he's going to let you know, and he's going to make it there. You got it. Take it. Well, it was smart, and uh, if they keep doing it, uh, every single day uh, that Amazon uh, has that point of purchase display and really promotes the Echo hardware that aggressively in Whole Foods, it just makes it that much more difficult for everybody else to catch up. So I'm going to call an audible here. Story number four deals with uh, a Sonos speaker that really would touch on assistants talking to each other. Uh, we've talked about that. And then story number six is another Amazon story that we'll be talking much more about in the future, about whatever the next uh, iteration of the Amazon Echo hardware is going to be, uh, as Amazon.com is not selling new Echoes anymore. Uh, it shows they're out of stock. So the final story of the week is story number five. Google poaches a child prodigy from Facebook to help lead their development of Google Assistant. And Brian, you were saying that uh, you've uh, met this gentleman before, this young guy. Uh, let's start with you on this. What are your thoughts on this story? Uh, thank you, Bradley. Yeah, Michael Saman is got to be one of the more incredible individuals I think Facebook has hired. Uh, I could get the exact timing wrong, but they hired him either at 16 and a half or 17 years old. And uh, he's a coder. He's a great thinker. Really understands not only coding but understands youth culture in a way that obviously facebook doesn't when you have people that are in their 30s running it or 40s or whatever um you know it's already an all company run by olds you yeah know, that sounds painful to say that didn't <laughs> yeah of course you know some people might take away that i was being a little harsh on google with the cultural uh, aspect of their hiring practices and i stand by that but on the other side there is some rays of light I mean, it, you know, we, we talk about some Google employees that are amazing there that have not any, any engineering background. And in the case of, uh, of Michael, they, they literally snapped him away from Facebook and he's going to be leading up in some way part of the Google Assistant program. And I think that's a good sign. And I think we need to see a lot more of this. I, I, you know, not one single Michael. You need 30, 40 of them just to get started. Uh, to help command a lot of these incredible engineers and technologists and some of the managers too need to be commanded by the way but michael is unique in a sense that he's got great communication skills he's very aware of what people his age bracket are doing he he identified what is very clear and logical for anybody that just wants to see it the youth culture have already adopted voice first technology it's not a question and when I hear people belly aching and I call them voice first deniers, they're always grumpy and they're always mad. Oh, I'm not going to tell a switch to turn on and off when I can go up there and get out of my easy chair and switch it on and off myself. And then they have a quizzical look. The reality is youth cultures already adopted this. And Michael's a great example of how the hundreds of uh, youth people I, I've talked to within you know, startups and going into college uh, over the last uh, couple of years, he typifies that. My initial impression was, you know, good for him. You know, he's, uh, from what I've read, I haven't had a chance to meet him, of course, but from what I've read, he sounds like a great guy. And, you know, Brian uh, reinforces that. My concern is 
there's another part of the population that's getting older. And by older, I mean, in this case, even older than 30. But there is a bump in the population older than 50, older than 60. I understand Google wanting to go after those fresh young faces and get them when they get to their their, uh, prime spending and earning years, of course. But I don't look to his age as being an issue. I would look to his performance and what his objectives are and what he's able to accomplish, period. Whether he's 18, 21, or 71, look at Warren Buffett. If he can get the job done and deliver the goods for the company, and by doing that, you know, in able to enrich the voice user interface and provide maybe some extra gas for a Google Assistant, so much the better, all for him. Jan, do you agree with both Brian and Michael? And also, do you think there's anything for us to take away from the story uh, about Facebook at large uh, not being able to retain a key person like that? Or you think <laughs> this is just not that big a deal? Uh, so I agree with both. Um, I think it's very, very interesting. A lot of people um, say that they um, saw the potential of voice interfaces for the first time, like the, the huge potential they see now when they watch their kids interacting with a voice assistant like Alexa. So that's very interesting. I mean, he's 21. He's not, a, he's not a child anymore. But even like people that are just a few years la- younger than, than I am, um, and, and you're what? You're 22, right, Jan? <laughs> <laughs> um, almost 30, let's say that. So even like he, he's only a few years um, younger than I am, but still, people in uh, in that age, um, when I when I see them, like people here, they use WhatsApp all the time, and they 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 keep recording audio messages. They they stopped typing so that's just very very interesting to see like even like people my age um we're typing probably like mostly all the time and then only people a few years younger um just stop typing and are recording all the time so that's i feel like very interesting so i think it's a very smart move of of google uh to to get him on board um but i also see michael's concern uh with uh um, more diverse product teams to also to not only think about the youth uh, because I also see a huge potential in in um, assisting older people as well. Um, so my parents use Siri all the time, for example, because they didn't grow up with while typing. They use Siri. They use the dictation. Um, my dad, um, since he uses Siri, he's like answering emails all the time. Um, he he wasn't a computer guy before, so um, he basically skipped the computer and went right um, to the, the smartphone and the, and the voice interface. So I feel like um, there should be focus on both ends of the spectrum. So I think it's a it's a great move and. I appreciate that story. Um, for Facebook, I still I'm still having troubles with um, seeing f- understanding Facebook's position and and the whole space. I'm very still very interested um, where Facebook is going. Um, I think I mean <laughs> he's he's tw- he's 21, but he spent four years at Facebook, so I don't see it as a problem that Facebook couldn't retain him. It's just like he's young. He wants to see something else. He got a great offer. So I don't see that as a problem. 
Cool. And, and Bradley, I, I would add this, and, and it goes to what I was saying about the, the hiring pool is getting smaller and smaller. Um, I see it on a daily basis. I, I'm dealing with people who are really conflicted between doing a startup because of their knowledge about voice first. And they're, again, I don't want to make it really small, but I would say the pool of really good talent is less than 200 people right now. You know, people that get the technology, get it philosophically. And so they're conflicted between doing their own startup or working for a larger company. And a guy like Michael, it really was ultimately, you know, a hiring sort of, from my external view of this, I'm not talking about any personal knowledge because I can't do that. But from my external view of this, there was a bit of a uh, bidding war, if you will, between what this guy is going to, where he's going to be working. And I predict that for a lot of folks. Uh, I predicted across the, across the board, as more of, more of these companies begin to understand that technologists are not going to solve the next problems here. You need really, really creative thinkers, and you need people to start understanding how these things are going to interplay. Thanks to all of y'all for setting your time aside today. Uh, this was a phenomenal discussion. Greatly appreciate it, uh, and greatly appreciate your flexibility for doing this at a different day uh, at a different time. So thanks to all three of y'all. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun. For This Week in Voice, August the 30th, 2017. Thank you for listening. And until next time.